1: Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 6, Little Brittle. Ah! Little Brittle premiering September 5th, 2004, and this is one that I didn't really see that much. I never saw this one on TV. In fact, I think the first time I saw this one was just a couple years ago when I started to get back into Aqua Teen, so excited to dive into this one and really see how it compares to MCP Pants, but also Super Sirloin, and I think this is really the last MCP Pants appearance that we are going to be covering on this podcast, because we already covered the Colin movie film on the Patreon, where, you know, he's in that film, of course. We already covered his 2022 Aquadunk side piece, so I think this is really our last time with MCP Pants, which I'm sad to see, and of course... If you listened to the Breaky B coverage I just put out on that Aquadonk side piece, I talk a bit about how I thought that the cybernetic ghost was more of an important Aqua Teen character than it really was, I guess. And same thing here with MCP pants. And and that really goes, I guess, for all these classic villains, right? They all kind of drop off after the film comes out. And it's sad to see, but at the same time, You know, you have to trust that Matt and Dave would have brought these characters back if they felt there was a reason to, and in this episode, we will get into Dave's thoughts on this episode, and spoiler alert, uh, he, he thought it wasn't really that great, but we'll get more into that later but you know before we get to this hot aqua teen action we've got a few other things to talk about first up our aqua teen news this week there really is none of course five new episodes were announced but we don't know anything else beyond that so as soon as i know anything i will let you know right here so beyond that we have two community things i want to talk about first up i was very lucky to be involved in an Aquatine hunger force iceberg video over on youtube if you're unfamiliar with the concept of these videos Basically, you start off with kind of common knowledge at the top of the iceberg, and then you work your way down to the more obscure facts. So the guy who put it together, Zero Omens, he already did one of these icebergs uh, maybe around a year ago, but he wanted to do a new one because he had learned more about the show, but also I was involved in this new one as well. So to my knowledge, this is the biggest collection of obscure Aqua Teen facts in one place on the internet. So check it out if you haven't seen it yet. As always, link to that in the show notes. Otherwise, we did a poll over on the social medias, the Twitter, the Instagram, at Teen Pod on both if you ever want to take part in those in the future. And of course, at the end of eDork, I kind of got into how Meatwad calls their chair yellow, even though I always thought it was green. So I I took to the internet to see what color you thought it was, and the results were pretty dang interesting. So, on the Instagram, we had a total of 203 responses, and we had 60% saying that the chair was yellow, and 40% saying that the chair was green. So, uh, 20% more said yellow over on the Instagram, however, on the Twitter... We had 314 votes in total there, and we had 55% saying it was green and 45% saying it was yellow. So the thing that I really took away from this is that there really was no consensus. Like, it's pretty similar here between the two if you want to average everything. Like, it's not like it was uh, uh, 10% thought it was green and 90% thought it was yellow or something. Overall, we're pretty in the middle here, which is very surprising. It's it's almost like a situation with that one draw if you might recall where uh, p- some people thought it was one set of colors other people thought it was another set of colors same thing with this aqua teen chair very subjective and over on twitter we had aqua teen producer editor jay wade edwards chiming in saying that the chair was goldenrod which is very on brand for jay although uh, i i would have to disagree with his uh, his assessment of the color of the chair So as always, thank you for voting in that. If you did, it's always a pleasure to see these results and uh, very surprising results on this one. I think we have a new kind of a personality test maybe. Uh, If you think the chair is green like I do, then you're very handsome, you're very sexy. If you think the chair is yellow like Meatwad, then you're probably stinky and and covered in hair and, and you eat sand. But alright, that's enough about colors. Who cares about freaking colors? What is this, the first grade? Let's jump in and see what the heck was going on when Little Brittle premiered. Nothing really to discuss about the top film this week because it is the same film that topped the box office when E-Dork premiered. So we have Hero again, that film this time bringing in $8.8 million. And yeah, two weeks in a row of being the top film. And again, the cool thing about this film is that it is a Chinese language film and it is topping the American box office the first time that a Chinese language film has done that. So props to Hero I thought it would be fun to see what my neighbors to the north in Canada were up to at this time, what they were watching in movie theaters during this week in Aqua Teen history. And same thing, they're, they're all wrapped up in Hero as well. Canada, US, we were uh, loving this, this Chinese film. So I checked out what the homies to the south were doing, see what Mexico was up to. They weren't having none of this hero bullshit. They were onto a film called Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. So while we were all wrapped up in uh, kind of kung fu movies, uh, the Mexicans, they were onto some some hardcore Anaconda killing of human beings. So I think pretty cool there. This film looks pretty fun. And from what I could see, there is no shared cast or crew between Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So moving on to our top album this week, Ashley Simpson, she's been booted out of here. We are done with Autobiography. However, taking its spot is the album that Autobiography overcame in the charts here, the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. We have now 16 showing back up again. So we already talked about that one in a previous episode, so nothing new there. But that Now CD, uh, when it first premiered on August 14th at the top of the Billboard charts, uh, it was 504,000 copies sold that week. Now, this week, when Little Brittle premieres, it is selling over 207,000 copies. So it's still selling a lot, This this Now CD. And just, you know, a relic of the past. I mean, I know that they're still making these, but who's buying them? I mean, because of streaming, it's just absolutely not necessary to obviously even really buy music to begin with, let alone these compilation CDs. I mean, maybe if you want it on vinyl for some bizarre reason, but... I don't even know if they print these in vinyl. They probably do. But yeah, just something that used to be quite big just because it was, you know, all the top songs in one place. But now we just have, you know, curated playlists for this on whatever streaming service that you might use. But to these now CDs credit, I do want to give them credit for really showing a decent range of genres. Now, of course, it's not getting into like real obscure shit or anything like that. But they did do a decent job representing the different kinds of popular music at the time, as opposed to these days, I suppose it's mostly just kind of like hip hop pop that are being represented, less so kind of rock music and alternative music in these playlists that we see that now had. Now, maybe these playlists are doing this. I don't know. I don't listen to these kinds of playlists, but uh, still credit where credit is due. Moving on to our top track this week, it is Lean Back by Terror Squad, and our top alternative track this week is Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park, same as when E-Dork premieres, so nothing surprising there. So, let's move on to our video games this week, and we've got one game to talk about that came out between E-Dork and Little Brittle, and this one, this one's for the speedheads out there. (laughs) Speed Demons, you're going to love this. This week, we have NASCAR 2005 Chase for the Cup. It came to all sorts of platforms like PlayStation, Xbox, GameCube. And this was a very revered game. I mean, I'm seeing nothing but great things about this game. It was an awesome racing game. And a game with some practical knowledge in it. So this is very recent news. In October of 2022, NASCAR driver Ross Chastain utilized a move you could do in this game in real life and pulled it off successfully. And because of that maneuver, he placed at whatever spot he needed to to qualify for the next race. So I don't know anything about NASCAR, so I'm not going to try and get into the nitty gritty here. But essentially in the game, what you can do is... If you hug the outer wall it it for whatever reason can allow you to gain speed and then, you know, win a race that way, ideally. And that's what Chastain utilized. I think basically he was in 10th place and he needed to place higher. So he what you do is you kind of drive into the wall. And I don't know if it's because there's nobody on the outer wall. So it just kind of allows you more space to accelerate. I'm not entirely sure. But that's what he did. You, you can see the all the video footage of him. He he hugs the wall and it allows him to accelerate enough to get ahead and place whatever he needed to place to qualify. For his next race. And then when they interview him afterwards, of course, everyone freaked out when they saw him do that because it's this crazy maneuver. He's He says straight up, yeah, I used to play a lot of NASCAR 2005 and I always wondered if that would work. And he tried it. And for him, it did. Apparently, this maneuver had been done unsuccessfully uh, just a couple months before somebody else tried to do it, but it didn't quite work out. It's very dangerous. You should never attempt it because you're literally driving into a wall. But uh, (laughs) Chastain, he did it, and it's cool to see that, uh, you know, sometimes video games, they can have some real-world application, even for the pros. So reading some of the YouTube comments on this game, it's just, as always, filled with a lot of love for this game. I mean, it it truly was one of the best driving games of the year and just has phenomenal scores all around. There's also somebody five years ago, as of this recording, saying, wow, half these drivers don't even race anymore. (laughs) It's like yeah no shit that was like 15 years ago when you made that comment what do you what do you think that people are just going to stay in the sport forever but yes uh, a very well-regarded racing game nascar 2005 chase for the cup if you're a speed demon you were probably playing it but all right that is our pop culture this week the week that little brittle premieres it's september 5th 2004 You live on a watermelon farm in Florida, and your dad, he won't take you to see Hero again. You're pretty upset about it. Also, he won't buy you the new Now CD, but that's all right. Just turn on the radio, and you can hear it all there for free. However, your dad, he does buy you NASCAR 2005, and you're keeping some of these tricks in your back pocket. Who knows? Maybe at some point it could help you get from 10th place to 5th place. That'd be cool. That's right, you are a young Ross Chastain, and it is almost time for bed, but the TV is still on, you are watching some Cartoon Network, but then a different programming block starts to begin, and you're not really sure, it says it's not for kids, but hey, what harm could there be in watching a little bit of it? What are you, as a young Ross Chastain, gonna see on Adult Swim the night of September 5th, 2004, let me tell you. Kicking off the night at 11pm, we have Family Guy with the episode Death is a Bitch, And I'm very surprised to see that they could get away with that title. Of course, this episode of Family Guy from 2000. No, it is by no means a newer episode, but I'm surprised that they could put the word bitch in a title. I would imagine if you were to see it on like a TV guide, it would probably be censored, but that's just my best guess. So moving on from there, we get Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with the episode Droopy Botox. This is at 1130. The idea behind this episode is that Harvey defends a Botox surgeon, and then he, when he pays uh, Harvey for his services, he includes like a bunch of uh, free coupons for plastic surgery, and then everyone in the office goes overboard getting all of this work done, which is something that is still incredibly pertinent to today. If you watch trash-ass reality TV like I do, then you're seeing it. All the time. And every single time I'm just sitting there like, why would you do that? But whatever. Luckily, my opinion on these things doesn't matter. So moving on to our next episode, we have C-Lab 2021 with Let them Eat Corn. At midnight, we have Aqua Teen Hunger Forest with Little Brittle. This episode, of course, we are discussing today. And as usual in this lineup our only new episode of the lineup aquatine doing some heavy fucking lifting here these past few months because they are the only episode they are the only show putting out new content everything else has been seen before uh, after that we have the brack show with Bracklit, prince of spaceland 12:30 we get the venture bros with eeny meeny miny magic and as usual the previous night the saturday the 4th Uh, This was a new episode. I mean, Saturdays on Adult Swim, very exciting. We have all sorts of new episodes going on, but Sundays, uh, not so hot. And that's because that they were making lots of new episodes at this time for the other shows. So Aqua Teen, again, you know, left to do the heavy lifting. At 1am, we get the Oblongs with Narcoleptic Scotty, a very fun episode that my wife and I talk a little bit about over on the Patreon And then at 1.30 a.m., we have Home Movies with The Art of the Sucker Punch. So same lineup we've been seeing. Family Guy, Harvey Birdman, C-Lab, Aqua Teen, Show, Venture Bros, The Oblongs, and Home Movies. A solid lineup in terms of your shows. I've already said this, but a little disappointing at this point that Aqua Teen is the only new thing. But we will see going forward how that might change. And also, I mean, if you're going to have any of these shows putting out a new episode to carry the night it's gotta be Aqua Teen that's the only thing that would get me at least to excitedly tune in so that is our lineup this week I think we are OSHA compliant we have done our due diligence of discussing the period that Little Brittle came out into the world and was birthed into the world in I think we're ready to jump in and discuss our final MCP Pants episode (laughs) (laughs) Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by the Moon Masters over at patreon.com dancingisforbidden dancing is forbidden, kicking in $1, $5, even $10 a month to keep this silly old podcast chugging along. I want to thank all Moon Masters, past and present, for supporting this show and allowing me to bring it to where it is today, from upgrading the microphone to buying a new mansion that I live in, to buying even a Ferrari that I drive as fast as I possibly can. None of that would happen if it weren't for any of you supporting this podcast. In fact, most of that never happened at all. Signing on at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier this week, we have James, loud and proud, standing at the mountaintop. A sword in one hand and a slightly larger sword in the other hand, yelling his love for Aqua Teen Hunger Force and dancing is forbidden. James, thank you so much for signing on. Always, like I've said many times, a real treat to get these emails that somebody else signed up for the Patreon. And of course, it really helps out. These Ferrari bills are not cheap. But what does James get for kicking into my Ferrari, Bill? Well, he's getting an assload of exclusive episodes over at the Patreon. We're covering Baffler Meal. We're covering Colon Movie Film for Theaters. We're covering other Adult Swim shows. We're covering ourselves in chocolate. We're covering Aqua Teen DVD specials. All sorts of absolute bananas, batshit shenanigans going on at the Patreon. James, thanks for signing up. I don't know much about you outside of your name. And your email address, but guess what? I can already tell that you're pretty cool, and also I can tell you have two large swords one that is slightly larger than the other.
2: Coming up next Aqua Teen Hunger Force
1: Little Brittle premiering September 5th, 2004, with a TV 14 V rating for violence. And there's really only one part of this entire episode that I think that that is referring to which is when uh, MCP Pants gets like bitten by a vampire. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot of violence or really anything that's that bad in this episode. So we'll see once we dive into it. But I feel like that's a bit extreme uh, based on other things that we've seen in Aqua Teen to give this one a violence rating for that. But anyways, this episode, of course, featuring MC Chris returning as MCP Pants here called Little Brittle. That's his his new name that he is releasing music as. And this episode tackling something actually pretty deep and pretty important. And the idea, which we will quickly see getting into the episode, is that MCP Pants, he has uh, come back as a, an elderly man who is in a shitty retirement home and living a very bleak existence there. And, and the whole premise is he wants people to come visit him. And uh, you know we'll talk more about this uh, as we get into the episode. But a pretty serious and heavy topic for Aqua Teen. And uh, I guess we'll find out how they deal with it. Of course, we've already talked about MC Chris. If you haven't heard the previous MCP Pants appearance episodes, check those out. Uh, you probably have, but obviously we talked more about him there, so I'm not going to repeat stuff here. And then also, if you haven't, I interviewed MC Chris, and that is on this podcast feed as well, and we'll probably have him back on the podcast to discuss his his career more in depth, too. So if you're listening from the future, maybe that's already out. Also, if you're listening from the future, I apologize for all the pollution. I understand there's probably polar bears everywhere eating people. Um, That was partially my fault, I guess, with some of the pollutants that I put into the atmosphere. But if you could do me a favor, please deposit some Bitcoins into my assisted living account because I'll probably desperately need it. So jumping into this one, it opens the way that we are very familiar with, with MCP Pants episodes, and that is we get an establishing shot on the house. Their front door is open for some reason. We get an establishing shot on the house. It is daytime. We then cut into Meatwad's room where we are greeted with a new poster on Meatwad's wall. Of little Brittle and the sea bag. This is in some tricked out golden font here. and sea bag standing for colostomy bag, a topic that I absolutely do not know how to make funny and entertaining. a very serious medical procedure. but it is funny that this is being included in in a uh, uh, little little brittle's new name. I like that he's including that here. But otherwise, we see Little Brittle, the form that MCP Pants has taken this time around, and that is of an old man, and that's really it. He's, a, he's an old man sitting in a wheelchair. He's got the shower cap on, the yellow eyes, and the diaper. He's also wearing an oxygen mask, which is connected to an oxygen tank. So the oxygen tank and the wheelchair, they're both looking good, okay? The wheelchair, it's made of gold. It's got some pink fuzzy material on it, and same thing with the oxygen tank and I know you're dying to know there's gotta be some diamonds on that right of course there's diamonds don't even ask don't even waste my time with that question of course little brittle's rocking some diamonds on his gear now look getting old isn't super fabulous but little brittle I think he's doing it right and this is definitely what we should all aspire to when we reach this ripe old age here underneath the character we see please come visit me dog uh written in a silver font and underneath that it says in stores now and then sugar bear records which is the record label that mcp pants releases everything on and this is one of those aqua teen lore points where it's like what is sugar bear records who runs it uh what other kind of music is on it who knows we'll probably never know but it's fun to think about after that, Frylock comes in the room, he hears that, that Meatwad is listening to what is clearly MCP Pants, and they're just going to jump straight in. It gets kind of meta in, in this episode particularly, they will reference the the previous times that MCP Pants was involved. Let's check it out.
3: Please come visit me, Dor. Well, Back in 1912, I could kick your ass. I did the tango and the fox trap before it got banned. There was ragtime and jazz before the ever was wrapped. Now I'm trapped with the colostomy bag in my pants. I'm oh,
2: no. Bad, uh, yeah. it. Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, sure. We are not doing this again. No way. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is MCP pants, isn't it? Isn't it? No. Okay, fine. Sirloin, right? No. Okay, well, who is it then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where
4: are my eyes looking? Will you
2: just tell me who he is, cause I'm not gonna look at your poster.
4: This here is a little Brittany and the sea bag. And he's kicking it. Out of the school. See? Yeah, I see him.
2: See? Yeah, I see him, okay? And this is MCP Pants. He's come back again. I mean, look at the shower cap. Look at the yellow eyes. Look at the diaper. It's the same guy. No, he's incompetent at being continent.
4: He raps about that on side too. Bounce over y'all. Stool subtle. Soft and loose. Soft and loose. You gotta give me the juice. The Mudamuse. Alright, alright, whatever. <laughs> and that goes on forever.
2: Alright, alright, fine. <laughs> what kind of crazy, dumbass, world-dominating plan does he have hidden in his
1: lyrics this time,
4: huh? No, man, nothing. Just listen to this.
1: So, off the bat, Frylock knows what's going on. I'm so glad they're opening the episode this way. I would fucking freak out if it was another episode where Frylock's like, Oh, who is this again? Like, he wasn't super sirloin. They're just cutting to the chase here some good physical comedy with Meatwad kind of glancing over at the poster and he's like, guess who it is? Because he wants Frylock to check out his new poster. But Frylock won't even do that. He wants Meatwad to explain it. I'm sure we've all been there where somebody just had to quickly look at something to figure things out, but they won't do it. They want you to tell them all about it. And that's what Meatwad does. This episode, of course, very dependent upon having seen these previous episodes, not just in the, in the bit that we've heard, but going forward, they will address that again. So interesting for them to make this decision for a show that typically aired out of order. You know, in cable television, this wasn't super popular at the time. I mean, really, it wasn't until streaming that things became hyper serialized like they are now because they know that people can see the episodes in the correct order. But at the same time, if you're watching this, you've probably seen the other MCP Pants episodes because of of how often they would be replayed on Adult Swim. But also the DVDs were kind of coming out at this time as well. So I I guess Matt and Dave could be pretty confident in, in playing it this way as opposed to Super Sirloin where they kind of had to make it a standalone episode but also with callbacks to the previous one. This one, again, totally reliant on the previous MCP Pants episodes. In fact, I'd be really interested to hear if anybody has seen this one who hadn't seen a previous MCP Pants episode. I really wonder how this would play out. I mean, of course, I wouldn't expect it to be as good as it is, but I'd really love to hear that perspective. So we are greeted with a new song here called Please Come Visit Me, Dog, and this one, unlike For The Shorties" and I Want Candy, this this song has never been released on its own. So there is no full version of this one. You can't hear an extended cut of this one. And in fact, this song, it is obviously played in the episode. I mean, you heard it, but it is not like that heavily featured in the episode. For example, like how I Want Candy was. Uh, they play it a couple times, but that's really it. And again, uh, there's no full version, a complaint of many. Uh, many people consider this song like one of the best MCP pad songs, but of course you can't actually hear this one in full. The interesting thing is, because of the way that the the audio is 5.1 surround sound, you can actually isolate some of the these songs' vocals by themselves without music in it.
3: Please come visit me, dawg. Well, back in 1912, I could kick your ass. I did the tango and the fox foxtrot before it got banned. There was ragtime and Jazz before there ever was rap.
1: We all know MC Chris is a great rapper. No surprise there. And he was actually asked about this song on Twitter. I think someone asked him to release it. I can't really tell because the tweet uh, was deleted. But uh, Chris says, it's not mine to give, but I do believe I wrote 32 bars for that one. Maybe those lyrics are hidden away somewhere. So Chris wrote 32 bars uh, of lyrics here and recorded them and everything, and we absolutely don't hear all those bars in this episode. Pretty dang sad. And you know what else is sad? The premise of this episode. So let's jump back in. So Frylock, understandably, is like, what kind of world-dominating plan does he have in his lyrics this time? Miwad insists there's nothing like that going on. He's going to play some more of the lyrics, and they'll talk more about it.
3: So I got living spots bigger than Dalmatian dots. I'm all alone. Won't you
1: please come visit me, dog? I got... He just wants friends.
4: He's old and lonely. And he got a stone-cold groove. Oh, really? Well,
2: we'll just see about that. Where's he located? 612 Wharf Avenue, right? No. His son moved him to Tragic Castles. Because he's
4: driving a wedge in their marriage. Pooping and wandering off and messing up the shower. Damn. They put him up there? Yeah, and they don't never visit him, neither. And he needs to be recituated like every three hours. He gets sores. <laughs> That's what he says in his song, Roll Me, Homie. My hips are bony, <laughs> I getting sores, and I getting lonely. <laughs> that rhyme ain't too good, but
2: the beat is awesome. Yeah, but they do, I mean, they have nurses, don't they? Yeah, but
4: they don't go in there no more because he spits on them and calls them harlots <laughs> and barks at them
2: to, to get nude. Oh, man. I hope we never end up like that, huh, Me-Watt? I won't. You will.
4: I got to go to of respect.
2: Yeah, I-, I think I'll go too. because something's got to be up with this.
1: Apologies here for these long clips that we will have at parts. This episode very dialogue heavy. and as you could tell in those previous two clips that we've played so far, they're kind of just touching on the same topics. So I'm laughing at a lot of these, these concepts of like MCP pants being lonely and, and everything in, in the uh, hospital. But to me, like, obviously that itself isn't funny. What's funny is the fact that they are putting this in the episode and they're making an episode out of this concept to me is, is very hilarious. Meatwad alludes to another song called Roll Me, Homie," which we'd never end up hearing. Uh, Meatwad has the CD up, up against the jam box here, and it's basically the same as the poster. However, the oxygen tank is missing from the CD cover. They had to make space kind of to fit that little square with all the artwork and also the text and everything. So makes sense. But I like in the previous clip, Meatwad alludes to a a second side or something like that. Like he's listening to this on a record, which is funny. It's obviously a CD. But Frylock's still skeptical. Meatwad insisting, no, he just wants friends. And he is currently residing at Tragic Castles this time around, not 612 Wharf Avenue. So Frylock and Meatwad are going to head over to Tragic Castles. But before they can get out the door, Shake is going to challenge them and ask them what they're doing.
0: Where do you two think you're going?
2: Wherever the hell we want.
4: Not without (laughs) me! We're going to see Little Brittle at the old folks' home. Go, without me. Ah, (laughs) come
2: on, shake. You could probably cheer up some old folks.
4: Well, can
0: we at least make a side trip? To where? Peru. That's near here, right? See ya. Yeah, see this? Dracula called and... He's coming tonight!
1: <laughs> there it is, Shake with the, with the classic line, Dracula called, and he's coming tonight. According to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, this is the third time that Shake has used this line in the show. So I love the idea of Shake wanting to go with, but then they tell him what they're actually doing, and then he's like, yeah, yeah no no, thanks, I'm not going to go to that. Shake wants to go to Peru, though, which is a South American country on the, on the west side of South America, and maybe he's trying to go there for some plastic surgery, who knows? It's funny, of course, to see Shake in the green chair, and uh, when we saw him, he was actually reclining in it, which I feel like might be the first time we've seen that this chair can actually recline. I don't recall seeing anybody else reclining in it previously, but uh, regardless, the point I'm trying to make is it's funny because when the episode began, we got an establishing shot of the Aqua Teens' house, you could see right into their house— And there was nobody sitting in the chair, but at this point, Shake was in it. But I guess it's possible that he could have been doing something else. Maybe he was pissing in the hallway and then sat back down to watch TV. As we all do, of course. I mean, I've pissed in the hallway three times while working on this podcast episode, so I shouldn't really be judging Shake. So we're moving on over to tragic castles now. And we see the exterior shot as it looks actually like a castle. There is a moat uh, there. Are lion banners out front and all this stuff, but at the same time, of course, in Aqua Teen fashion, it is both run down and pretty hilarious because the idea that this is supposed to be a castle, but we see the doors are like pretty modern doors on the front. It's just very silly, a very silly sight, but to, to touch on how run down it is, in the moat, there's like a, a wine bottle of sorts. The, the building is just all dingy looking. The moat has, like, algae and stuff growing in it. We see some other beer cans, uh, probably some dead animals and things like that. Uh, something funny is uh, we have a sign out front. It says, uh, Tragic Castles, and then it says Old Folks Home, but old is written O-L-D-E, kind of like a medieval way. And then, of course, they are using some medieval fonts here. And then there is a plaque to the our, like, our right of the doors, from what we see. It says, Drop ye parents here. So, it's this kind of a serious topic, but done in, in a fun medieval times kind of way, but then it's aquatinified by showing how dingy and just kind of depressing this is and This theme continues inside of the building. It's not very medieval themed inside; it just looks kind of like a extremely rundown hospital uh pretty sad to see the walls are all marked up, there's filing cabinets and stuff that are all rusted, and just a real shithole of a place. very sad. And then we see MCP pants on a bed. The bed is just disgusting. There's stains all over it and everything. He is on the bed, and he is surrounded by photos, and he's holding a picture of of uh, his grandson, at least that's who it's supposed to be. And there's a lot of background work here. I mean, not only in that establishing shot of the castle, like the exterior, but also inside here. There's a, there's a lot of medical devices and everything happening, just Bob Pettit doing work. They even shout him out in the commentary here dave willis calling him a fiend for the work he did on this one and again we see mcp pants he's got some blue shoes on but then he's wearing of course no clothing just a diaper really and a chain he's got a little i think it's a money sign chain on and something that's funny is we see two of his posters in his in his room so there's one poster when frylock and meatwad come in on like the far side of the wall then there's another poster on the side of the wall that uh, the bed is up against so that's enough description for now let's see Frylock Meat Let's see them come and greet MCP Pants.
4: Little brother, knock, knock. Oh, hey, little brother, return visit. You. Ah, ah,
3: bitch, bitch, get with my socks. I'll stab you in the neck with this picture of my grandson.
2: Easy, <laughs> easy now, <laughs> little B. We're just here to visit, man. That's all.
3: Yeah, we're just here Hey, <laughs> hey. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, come on in, my sneaker oh. In a long time!
2: Wow, yeah. Go on, Meatwad. He's happy to see you. He wants you to hug him, see?
3: I don't, I don't want to. Oh, homie. Why you gotta play me like that? <laughs>
2: Give him a hug, Meatwad.
3: It smells like nursing Get me oh, <laughs> Hey, you, you shut up like a weed! You like man-size now! Shake my hand like a man! I'm hugging a man, yeah. <laughs>
1: So MCP pants thinking that this is his grandson as in Meatwad. So he grabs Meatwad and then and then pulls him really close to him. So Meatwad is kind of squished up against Little Brittle here. And then uh, Little Brittle is talking and there's spit kind of flying out of his mouth onto Meatwad. I don't want to dwell on this constantly throughout this podcast episode, but there's really no way around it just to, of how horrible the situation is. Of course, a very real situation but relating to that, C. Martin Croker worked on this episode, and at this time, his dad was in the hospital in a similar situation to this. So in the commentary, he kind of touches on how it was difficult to work on this one when Matt and Dave are sitting there like, yeah, add, add more veins to him and, and make him look worse and stuff like that when when uh, Clay was having to deal with, with a similar situation in his real life. Back to Aqua Teen here. There's a lot going on in terms of the sound mix here. We actually have some some speaking over the PA, and luckily we are able to isolate that and give it a listen. Paging
2: Doctor Weird, Doctor Weird, paging Doctor Weird. Doctor Weird, please pick up the white curtain phone. It's an electrotherapy. Doctor
1: Weird. So you can hear they are paging for Dr. Weird, and that will go on throughout this episode. So a cool little Easter egg. Of course, they weren't doing Dr. Weird skits anymore for the season and going forward, but they are acknowledging his existence still. They're calling him out here. I guess he works in electroshock therapy. The soundscape on this episode, very hellish. You hear constant screams and and things like this, and it it only kind of gets worse. It's a very unsettling atmosphere in this already depressing and kind of sad place. To go back to two props that we glossed over here that will show up later in the episode— we have a, a glass of water with some dentures in them. That would be Little Brittle's teeth sitting there, or his dentures, rather. And then we also have a bowl of hard candy, which will come into play. Visually, in our next clip now, we heard the call to electroshock therapy. Uh, the lights will kind of start to dim throughout Little Brittle's room. So, really cool. They're kind of... um building up some story, some backstory line in this episode. But in the commentary, Dave is is speaking about this, and he says that they really just tried to sweeten it up because Dave felt that this episode was, was a little boring here, a little slow, and uh, we'll get more into that later in this podcast episode. But that will be going on, and as for uh, what will be happening in the next clip, it's just kind of uh, pretty circular this episode It's just again Frylock kind of asking Like oh what are you doing why are we here kind of thing
3: <laughs> What brings y'all down to the Assistant living hizzy That's funny you should
1: ask
2: cause uh that's what I'm wondering What do you have up your sleeve this time
3: Oh no oh no you did not No one asked me that when I was fighting For your freedom in WW2 Look okay
2: I'm sorry Right? <laughs> I'm a veteran I just remember the last few times we had run-ins with you
3: Yeah, I know y'all
2: <laughs> I'm Frylock and this is Meatwad. Nice to meet you for
1: the third time.
3: Oh yeah, you would have got it. Yeah, you 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 would have got it.
1: So interesting to hear. Little Brittle, I guess, was was a veteran. He he fought in World War II, and just thinking about how now, as of this recording in 2023, there really aren't that many of these guys left. And I mean, somebody who is you know the age of Little Brittle now would be too young to really have fought. In World War II. Now, of course, there are still World War II veterans around, but I mean, as time goes on, 10, 20 years, I mean, that number is just dwindling and dwindling, which is which is such an interesting shift, especially from 20 years ago when this episode came out, when it wasn't as, as strange of a thing. But yeah, now seeing an elderly person saying, I fought in World War II, I'm just like, wait a second, like... It's just not as common anymore. I was looking it up. I guess the last surviving World War One veteran, her name was Florence Green. She was from the UK. She passed away in February of 2012, so over 10 years ago as of this recording, which maybe you were... Uh, aware that that happened but i wasn't so it's just kind of kind of a strange feeling when when you're walking alongside these people for your life and then you just kind of turn around and they're gone and and world war ii vets unfortunately going forward going to be the same thing maybe at some point in the future some holocaster somewhere will be talking about us the the generation of the meme wars how we are gone and and they will be remembering us with the same fervor and respect When that clip began, we had another page for Dr. Weird. This time it was Dr. Weird in the cadaver department. Dr. Weird in the cadaver department. So he's a busy guy at this hospital. I wonder if he's like the only doctor on staff. Jumping back in here, MCP Pants won't remember Meatwad and Frylock. So Frylock's going to pull a bunch of photographs out of his box and then kind of go through and explain previous MCP Pants episodes to Little Brittle and he won't remember any of this. At a certain point though we will see two uh, kind of interesting photographs because normally the slides that Frylock will show they just kind of are like stills from the episode but uh, we will see a picture of Frylock from the Cubing when he has the s mask on. So you'll hear him react to accidentally showing that photo. And then we will also see a picture of the Aqua Teens with Super Sirloin in, like, in his cow form. And they will be at the bar from Super Trivia, which, of course, we never saw. So this just kind of showing us that in the Aquatine world, things happen that we don't necessarily see. So there, there are events taking place off camera. <laughs> you don't remember meeting us? Okay, a couple of years ago, you were a six-foot-tall
2: spider. They wanted us to help you drill a hole into the earth to unleash demons to run your global diet pill pyramid scheme. What? All right, what about this one? A year later, you were a cow. They tried to get us to bring all our garbage to you so you could use flies to evaporate the walls of a bank so you could get the money and. <laughs> So you could get the money to rent patio furniture that you hadn't paid for yet.
4: And this is us at dinner right before we sent you to the slaughterhouse. Remember that? <laughs>
3: well, those aren't good ideas.
2: So, you don't remember any of this? Nope. Okay, okay. Satan has brought you back as an old man to do something. Now, what is it?
3: Boy, you crazy. Sit down and spell. You want to get busy with some hard candy? <laughs> no, thank you.
4: Oh, yeah. I want Remember that little brother?
1: nope (laughs) (laughs) there's so much hair coming out of mcp pants ears too which is great uh you heard Frylock mention the candy that we talked about very quickly earlier he just pulls he goes to like take out a piece of candy but it's all kind of melted together just from sitting there for so long that it's one giant just mass of hard candy that Frylock is kind of hitting to try and break one little lozenge off of and okay uh this episode again long clips because it's all dialogue based they're all kind of in the same scene here. And as I kind of hinted at here, Matt and Dave didn't think that this one was really that great. According to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, before the episode aired... Matt and Dave wanted to apologize for the middle of the episode. They claimed that the beginning and ending were good, but the middle really, really dragged. And that they blame it on infighting and Zell Miller. Now, I don't think that there was actually infighting. And Zell Miller was a Georgia politician at the time. So those are just kind of silly excuses. We do have... Dave, talking about this, though, on the commentary for this episode, I normally don't play you the commentaries, but in this case, I think it's appropriate.
4: Like, when we were finishing it, I think Matt and I were both kind of saying, you know, you could have done so much more if, like, maybe Meatwad would have insisted that they bring him back to the Aqua Teen house with them, and then ultimately they get so pissed off at them or they have to install handicap ramps everywhere and it just shake it so you know i mean we could have done so much more with it and it and it just sort of i think this was like the one casualty of having to crank out a lot of shows with a small group of
3: people
1: so that's some of what dave had to say there and of course the execution could have been better Like Dave said, what if they brought Little Brittle back to the Aqua Teen house and and involved Shake in it more? And Carl, there's no Carl in this episode, our first episode of season three with no Carl. And there's very little Shake. It's mostly just Frylock and Meatwad visiting Little Brittle. But okay, uh, back to the episode, though. It's not over yet. In the previous clip that I played, I do want to shout out another PA call over the system there. Uh, We had an announcement that lunch is ready in the cadaver department. I think there's supposed to be some cannibalism insinuated there. And on that voice, I have to assume it's Dave doing the voice. It sounds pretty similar to him. And I love how much effort they put into these little jokes that come in over the PA that nobody would hear, right? I mean, uh, me telling you this, like, I assume we're really some of the only people that that even know about this. If you were watching it on TV, you weren't going to catch it. You literally have to have the DVD and then uh, isolate the audio track to make out what they're even saying. But it's it's always cool when they add those little Easter eggs. And again, just a uh, more appreciation for the soundscape in general. I mean, that's what Aqua Teen does so masterfully: is that their soundscapes are so well defined and so busy at moments, like it is in this episode that it really feels like there's way more going on than actually is on the screen. Because on the screen, we have the Aqua Teens, or at least uh, Frylock and Meatwad, standing there talking to Little Brittle, who's laying in bed. That's basically it. There's not a whole lot of action here. But through this soundscape, it it feels like it's a little bit more hustling and bustling than it actually is. I do like, though, like, you know, obviously it's it's kind of a trope that that MCP pants can't remember anything. That's like what a lot of this this is is riding on. But I, I like that he's this kind of uh, somewhat senile, you assume, old man. But then he's still throwing around this hip hop lingo at the same time. Kind of kind of lightens the mood a little bit. The last thing I want to mention about that previous clip is that Frylock is holding up some stills and then Meatwad pulls some out as well. Those are screenshots from the episodes. I went back to check to make sure that they weren't like recreated or anything. Those are screenshots from the episodes. However, of course, the picture of uh, of Sirloin with the Aqua Teens at the Super Trivia Bar would have been created for this episode. So Meatwad, he's talking to one of his favorite music artists of all time. He's going to ask him... A music question.
3: Hey, you, uh, you're gonna put out any more jams? No, no, man, my, my label dropped me. They said that songs like, uh-oh, polio, didn't connect with today's you.
4: Yeah, <laughs> officer, oh, you slept through a lot of them songs, right? <laughs> Hello?
3: <clears throat> hey. Oh, oh, oh man, yeah. this is sad. <laughs>
2: Guess I was wrong about Little Brittle. So
4: we should go because I smell a lotion like and doo
2: here.
1: So that is Meatwad trying to bail out of the situation. I don't blame him. I mean, uh, little Brittle here fell asleep. So what are you going to do? Sit here and watch him sleep? But we heard that he got dropped from Sugar Bear Records. So it can't be his own record label. So you know the the, the plot thickens. Who who is the head of Sugar Bear Records? But we also get some more of these hypothetical songs that are on Little Brittle's album. The song here mentioned is "Uh Oh Polio." Polio being a, a very infectious disease, a very serious disease that luckily isn't really that much of, of a concern, at least in the first world, because of like the polio vaccination uh, that that just caused the, the rates to to plummet rapidly when when that came out in the 50s. But the joke here is, you know, polio is kind of considered like an older disease that that because of the vaccine we don't really worry about. So to hear to hear MCP pants or or a little brittle rapping about that is kind of like an outdated subject because most of us cannot relate. But you heard Meatwad he's trying to leave because MCP pants fell asleep. But MCP pants, he's going to wake. Do you like how I'm using these interchangeably? I'm saying little brittle, MCP pants, sirloin, just interchangeably. You know what I mean. He's waking up now. He doesn't want Meatwad to leave.
3: Huh, huh, wait, 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 wait. I haven't even shown you pictures of my grandchildren. This here's <laughs> little, uh, who is it?
2: Um, we best get going. No, Meatwad, you should stay and visit. Wait
3: a minute. Who oh, are these people surrounding me?
2: Think it's <laughs> important.
3: You get away from me You're trying to kill me. Then
2: I get out of here, though. <laughs>
3: Fun. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, come on, dog, stay with me, dog! Today's applesauce day! Applesauce <laughs> day, dog!
1: Okay.
3: Oh, thank god. Thank you so much for staying.
1: Little brittle enticing Meatwad to stay with, with promises of applesauce but you heard mcp pants kind of freaking out there and that was because he's laying on the bed like i mentioned at the beginning when they when they first came into the room he's surrounded by pictures of his loved ones but he's he starts to have like a some sort of hallucination or or ptsd attack or something where he's like who are all these people surrounding me all all this stuff but we see a, a picture here of like his granddaughter and it looks like like bob pettit just traced somebody uh, for this image and and this being a really rare time in the show where we see other human beings being depicted and I should clarify I don't know for a fact if, if Bob Pettit made these drawings or, or these uh, paintings that MCP pants is holding up but they definitely are are of a different art style and again I just get the feeling that somebody traced over some kids and called it a day I love the way that Frylock just ditches Meatwad here. Like, all right, you stay here, hang out with Little Brittle. I'm going to leave. And then so Frylock leaves the room, and then Little Brittle, he's going to grab Meatwad and hold him very close yet again and tell him some very important information.
3: Now look here. You make sure they don't steal my wristwatch. <laughs> they in my mind.
1: But you ain't got a wristwatch. <laughs>
3: the wristwatch is in my mind. <laughs> I had a holiday. You understand?
1: I, I'll try to. I feel like it was a common trope around this time to have uh, the idea that there's somebody at a retirement home and the nurses are stealing their stuff. Now, surely this has happened. It probably still happens, but I feel like I saw this in television a lot back in the aughts. Not so much anymore, uh, and I'm kind of curious as to why, but uh, we have Matt and Dave kind of taking it a step further here and making this character just actually insane in how he's dealing with this, which which uh, allows allows us to kind of get some chuckles out instead of just being depressed by it all. Can we talk about Little Brittle's nipples for a second? I mean, the fact that they drew them is funny, but then when he's holding Meatwad to him, it, and it kind of zooms in, and they're very apparent. So if you're a nipple fiend, then I think that this is uh, definitely one of the Aqua Teen episodes for you. So they build up some tension in that last scene. We're now going to time cut forward, and we are at the Aqua Teen's house. And Frylock is in his bedroom working on the computer, and Shake is going to come in, and his his mouth is just all messy. You can see he was eating some sort of sweet treat, because he's got pink frosting all around his mouth, as well as some sprinkles in there. And he's going to make up some some bogus story about how uh, the cupcakes that Frylock made were force-fed to Shake, and he is in danger if Frylock doesn't leave the room, leaving the computer unattended. Frylock won't care, though, and then eventually he'll whip out even more cupcakes and, and Shake will be shocked that there were still some left.
0: Frylock, oh, you would not believe what just happened. A Prowler broke in here and forced your cupcakes in my mouth. And now he says if you don't leave the room and let him use the Internet, he'll shoot me.
3: Fine. He
2: has a gun, you know. Well, you said he'd shoot you, so I did figure it was a gun.
0: Frylock, I am completely serious here you had more cupcakes
2: <laughs> oh you think i could just leave things i want out by you
0: well i leave stuff around you and i don't cry <laughs> last tuesday you said from your own mouth that i left a mess
1: <laughs> uh we'll come back to that uh i really love the way that they're using shake here i love how uh you know we had that kind of tense moment that build up and then they release it here with some comedic relief From Shake, of him pretending to be sad, like, oh, I'm so, I'm in danger. He's just acting here. And then you find out that he's just faking all of it. The idea is he just wants Frylock to leave so that he can use the computer. Frylock doesn't give a shit. He's not falling for it. And then, yeah, uh, Shake, like I said previously, was a little upset that there were more cupcakes left. And Frylock is smart. I mean, when you live with other people, you have to make these kinds of decisions of like, all right, if I leave this delicious thing out, uh, it might not be here when I come back. So Frylock, he's keeping the rest of the cupcakes in his room. However, it's so incredibly kind. Apparently, he did leave some out, I assume, for Meatwad and Shake to have. So he did leave some out for them. So, you know, Frylock, he's he's not completely stingy with these cupcakes. But now we're going to cut to the hallway where where, uh, Meatwad will be rolling by. And Frylock will summon him into the room. The cupcakes were actually for Little Brittle. So very kind of Frylock to make these for Little Brittle. And also, uh, Shake, at at some point, will go over to Frylock's computer because Frylock is no longer on the computer. And he'll start doing whatever it is that he needed to do on the computer because, remember, he was trying to get Frylock to leave the room so that he could use the computer.
0: And that was for you, and you threw it out. Oh,
2: Meatwad. Our friendship is over. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Look, don't forget <laughs> to bring these cupcakes to Little Brittle, okay?
4: He don't like cupcakes too much, because he says that the government made him too hard to chew intentionally. <laughs> and that he says that he's too crazy to go on much longer this world. You're
0: friends with an old person? Yes. I cut everyone off at 40. After that, <laughs> you dead meat. That's why I'm the master.
2: Shake. What? I don't see you lining up to see old people. Well, that's only because it smelled awful. I mean, I would go if the people were younger and didn't reek of fluids. I mean, Oh, but I should go. (laughs) Meatwad, it's very important that someone goes. Someone without a nose.
1: And that's you, so go ahead.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense, I
1: guess. So Frylock giving Meatwad a little push in the right direction, although Meatwad not carrying the cupcakes. Remember, the entire time, Shake has cupcake residue all over his face here. Meatwad not bringing the cupcakes says Little Real doesn't like them. He says that they're, the government makes them too hard to chew, which, first of all, you know, that, that stereotype of old people blaming everything on the government, that's not really an old people stereotype anymore now. I think there's lots of people of all ages that, that like to uh, pull from that excuse. But it's just funny because I feel like cupcakes are uh, some of the easiest things to chew. They're usually pretty pretty light, pretty fluffy, pretty easy to dig into. To clarify these cupcakes that Frylock made, they are just a white cupcake, the kind of traditional, you know, No, it's not chocolate, it's the other one. That's the kind that Frylock made with pink frosting on it. Seems good to me. Me, I'm a fan. I I think a good old-fashioned chocolate cupcake would be my favorite, but you offer me any of those delicious sweet treats, and I'm going to put them right on my lips. It's fun watching Frylock dance around this kind of sanctimonious behavior, Of being like, yeah, you know, somebody has to visit him, but it's not going to be me. So, like, he knows it's the right thing to do, and he wants to make that right thing happen, but he doesn't want to have to be the one to actually do it. And I think this is something that Family Guy will later go on to play off of with Brian Griffin. I know that this is a real trait that uh, they kind of play up in him later on, but it's funny to see that same kind of uh, humor here before Family Guy really started to do it. We can see what I assume is a visual error in the background during this scene because they pull out a lot while all three characters are in Frylock's room talking. They pull, I think, a little too far out, and you can see white at the bottom of the screen. I have to assume the image just wasn't big enough. So that's what that is. I don't think that there's supposed to be some straight uh, white line across the screen. I don't know what that would actually be in their, in their physical space. I think it's just a, a, a case of the image being too small that they're using as the background, which is something that we, we ran into a lot in the first season of the show. So Meatwad, he's rolling away, again, without the cupcakes, and then Shake is going to speak up about something to Frylock.
0: Frylock, you don't have a nose either.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't know that.
2: (laughs) Because he was the prowler. Will you shut up?
1: (laughs) So I like this callback to what Shake was talking about earlier. I guess Meatwad was the one who force-fed Shake the cupcakes and then had a gun and was going to kill Shake. If Frylock didn't let Meatwad go on the computer, that's what Shake's trying to say. But yeah, it's revealed that, like, you know, Frylock can't smell either. So it's weird that they are focusing so much on the smell, but apparently none of them can smell. But Meatwad brought this up a lot. I feel like Meatwad probably can smell, and Frylock cannot. I mean, never mind the fact that in the very first episode of the show, Rabot, they talk about smelling perfume. They've talked about smelling things a lot in the show, but it's a good joke in this episode. So now we are cutting back to Tragic Castles, and we see that Meatwad and Little Brittle, they're up to something here, and this is probably one of the cutest Meatwad drawings that we've gotten up until this point, at least in my opinion. We have Meatwad, he's kind of like wrapped around Little Brittle's neck, and he's trying to bite into Little Brittle's neck with his one tooth, the idea being that he's, I guess, supposed to turn him into a vampire, but Frylock will walk in on this scene.
3: Yeah, yeah, stick that tooth in it. Yeah, punch it in.
1: You feel any difference? No. Try
3: the other side. I
1: ain't getting
2: nothing. Hey. I got
3: blood somewhere. Come on, just put it in
2: there. Hey, Meatwad, you forgot these cups. What the hell's going on in here? I'm turning them into a vampire. you
4: doing
3: what? Vampire! He's a vampire. He's turning me into a vampire.
4: Well, he's
2: not a vampire.
4: I know. I keep turn him out He says, he says, do it row.
2: Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Get my teeth out of that glass. They shot.
2: Why would you even think he's a vampire?
3: Why the hell do you think I released Come Visit Me Dog in Transylvania, yo? <laughs>
1: yeah, that was an import. I paid extra for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was an import. I paid extra for that. I love this idea that Meatwad is somehow like in the know on MCP Pants' career. How does he keep finding out about this? How did he find out about this Transylvania exclusive release? I just, I, I need to know more about this. I wish they would have just covered. What is, like what does Meatwad just browse the net for like new music releases or something? What is going on here? I don't know, but I, I absolutely love it. I've definitely bought some imports, paid extra for those imports. I mean, if you're a fan of Japanese music, then you know all about that life. I remember I bought a uh, a vinyl record of an album by the band The Pillows. I've talked about them a lot on this podcast. One of my favorite bands, they're a Japanese band. I bought their vinyl uh, from their record label, and like. I paid for it and they contacted me like, hey, we need more money uh for shipping or something like that. Like it was very strange the whole uh the whole process of doing that, but I've been in Meatwatch shoes and I hope since he got the import, I hope he got like a bonus track on there. Great delivery, as always, from Dave Willis here, where Meatwatch saying, like, yeah, I told him I'm not a vampire, but he kept telling me to do it anyway. <laughs> I just the delivery just really makes that line there. And uh, funny to see Frylock walk in on this. And I just love, again, this drawing of Meatwad because we have him kind of laying at this strange angle we've never really seen him at. And he's even talking from that angle, too. It's very, very cute. We saw Little Brittle telling Meatwad to grab like his dentures and see if they're sharp now, see if they've turned into vampire teeth. In our next clip here... Meatwad will put the dentures in his mouth so he'll just have these, like, you know, realistic human teeth uh, on his face, which is really funny. But of course, turns out there was a plan after all and this wasn't really like a world dominating plan it was more of a personal plan for mcp pants he released this in transylvania it was to get a vampire to come and bite him and turn him into a vampire
3: see i released it in transylvania so vampires would come and visit me and i could get them to bite into my neck and <laughs> then i could become immortal why the hell do you think i made myself look so sexy on the cover see i knew
2: it <laughs> i knew some boots. was up with you i knew it look-
3: Yo, Bruno needs to live forever. Otherwise, I go down to hell and Satan send me back here something worse. He's got all these ideas. He don't tell me none of them. Why
2: don't you just become a Christian?
4: Look, that (laughs) way when you die, you go to heaven. Away from bad
2: old Satan.
3: Can I do that? I mean, are they cool with vampires? Because I got to feast on blood. That's (laughs) how I roll.
2: Look, you can't be both. Either become one or the other. And the other, which is a vampire, is impossible.
3: Well, then I guess I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, (laughs) bring it in the sheaves, y'all. Who knew I had it in me? I did. Now kill me, quick.
2: We're not going to kill you. The moral thing to do is to let you die naturally, alone, in a pile of your own filth.
3: Look, it's easy. Just build <laughs> a time machine. Go back into prehistoric times with a satellite tracking device and a laser gun. Blow up the comet. Save all the dinosaurs so they don't die out. Create fossil fuels. So, ain't no energy to feed my food to.
1: Over the truth, just pull this paragraph. Right
3: yeah, 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 do
1: that. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of things kind of going on here. First thing I want to mention is I I do appreciate the animations on Little Brittle. He is moving his arms a lot when he talks. He's doing these kind of like hip hop poses in a way, but it's funny seeing this, this old, almost naked man doing it. But yeah, Brittle reveals that he wants to be immortal because he hates dying and going to hell because Satan punishes him so much when he is in hell. And then they convince him, oh, just become a Christian. Then you'll go to heaven. So MCP fans like that idea. So they say, "All right, I'll become a Christian, then you can kill me, and I'll go to heaven, not hell." And Frylock says, "No, we won't kill you. we'll let you die naturally, alone, and in your own filth, which is like so horrible, and and really opens up that whole ethics debate of assisted suicide. Like, really, what is worse? I can't imagine much of a point of living if if you're lacking these." These basic fundamental human rights, like if you don't have any dignity and like, you know, no mobility and you're in pain and things like that, it's like, well, what's the point of still being alive? Uh, They should just put him out of his misery here. But uh, MCP Pants, he has some sort of crazy scheme to get around that. But then Meatwad, we see Meatwad uh, roll up the bed. So he basically goes up like uh, over a hundred degree angle to get up there. It's very, very crazy. We typically don't see any of these characters traversing terrain that is not just flat. We have seen it from time to time, but this is an extreme case where he goes up almost completely vertically up the bed, really just showing the power of Meatwad. And also the brains, because he's like, we can just pull these plugs and that would put MCP pants out of his misery. I mean, Frolic said they wouldn't kill him, but in this case, uh, I think it might be okay. Although uh, the P-Pants hasn't done anything, I think, to convert to Christianity. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but I feel like you probably have to do a little bit more than just say on your deathbed, okay, I'm not Christian and that's it. But before anything can happen now, we're going to start to get a conclusion to this episode, a nice wrap up on on the scheme that we just learned about. And we're gonna cut to the door, and then a a casket will basically fly into the room. It's like spinning the entire time as well. It's it's gonna come in, we can see it's clearly a 3D asset, which is funny since it's a 2D show. This 3D flying casket comes in, it opens up, and there is a vampire inside. Little, no way. <laughs> Oh my gosh i so
4: love your record (laughs) (laughs) you're so cool
3: (laughs) Uh,
2: we better go meet wad before someone smells you
1: okay seeing this scene now i guess i understand the violence rating because of uh there's blood squirting everywhere but yeah this is a very stereotypical looking vampire comes in and he just starts biting mcp pants and mcp pants are a little brittle whatever he, he's like, what record? Because the Vampire's like, oh, I love your record. Uh, and he instantly just starts biting Little Brittle there. So so Frylock and Meatwad Bail, as you heard, voicing the Vampire, I have to assume that is Dave Willis. Now, this is an issue for me with Space Cataz being in every single one of these openings, is that Matt Malero alongside Andy Merrill and Mike Schatz, they are all three are credited on every single season three episode. So uh, That's what makes me wonder, like, maybe is it Matt? But I, d- I don't see Matt doing this. I really do think it's Dave doing that vampire voice. Which, if it is, would be his second time uh, reprising a vampire voice, if you recall back to Bus of the Undead, when they go to Memphis to see Dracula's grave. It's very funny, though, to see this vampire character kind of fangirling out, though. He seems very excited to meet Little Brittle. But, all right, we're going to cut outside now. We are outside of, of Tragic Castles, and we have... Frylock and meat wad standing there kind of talking and then eventually mcp pants will come up but he is now a vampire so he'll be dressed up in your traditional kind of vampire outfit he looks very regal looks very spiffy but then he'll step out into the sun and explode
4: you think was a real live vampire that was worthy
3: worthy
1: yeah, probably
3: hey y'all check me out don't go y'all look look i'm a vampire now y'all check me out i got a, i got fangs i got i got this badass cape wait a minute oh, <laughs> oh man
1: Lots of drawings for this little brittle character. I mean, we get a couple new animations here, like he kind of, uh, he starts to get hot when he steps out in the sun. He has to like, like move his collar to the side and stuff. Really appreciate the, the levels of animation that we are getting. Even in this episode, which is one of the most limited episodes of the season, they're still kind of busting out these, these little animations and things that we wouldn't have gotten earlier in the show's run. But I love Frylock's indifference when Meatwad asked him if that was really a vampire. Frylock's just like, I don't know. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's over this. And then we've really seen that with Frylock at this point in the show's run. He's kind of over a lot of things. He's kind of done explaining things to people at this point. And I can't say I blame him. Some cool smoke effects on Little Brittle. And then he, you know, explodes and it's, it's a big red explosion. It's not really supposed to be fire, I think more so blood. And then before they can even recover from that, the the sliding doors will open again, the automatic doors to Tragic Castles. And then that same casket will come out, that vampire from previously will come out, and basically the same thing will happen to him.
4: Did you see Little Brittle? Because
1: he's not supposed to be out in the sunlight. No! (laughs) So the vampire coming out to warn Little Brittle, not to go out in the sunlight, but he himself is standing out there in the sunlight, where I guess he's floating in his coffin uh, and suffers the same fate as soon as he dies, the casket just falls on the ground and that's kind of that's kind of a new uh, vampire trait here that I wasn't familiar with. I didn't know that they kind of rode around in their caskets like or coffins rather like they were cars because that's what this vampire is doing, and the reason he's doing that is so that they don't have to give him a walk cycle, so that he can just float wherever he needs to go, and and there you have it. And if this idea of vampires stepping out into the sun and then dying is familiar, that's because, again, back to Bus of the Undead with that Dracula callback... That's what happens in assisted living Dracula. That is the whole concept, is that Dracula, he's living at an assisted living facility, and then at the end, uh, the nurse who played by Mary Craft pushes him outside, he goes in the sun, and he like dies and disappears. So they already did this back in 2001 with their live action segment for Bus of the Undead, and they kind of replicated that here in this episode. So in a way, it's kind of cool to see them kind of turn Assisted Living Dracula into something of like a normal Aqua Teen episode. I think it would be really funny if they commented in the episode, like like if Miwad was like, oh, that's just like Assisted Living Dracula or something like that, because it's a show that exists in their universe, but uh, no such reference is ever made. They just kind of uh, leave it as a wink to anybody who, who has seen Bus of the Undead. So, we have one tiny clip here of like kind of the resolution to this scene. Let's jump into it.
4: Well, I guess we'll never see him, I yep,
1: not until next year. <laughs> so, yeah, not until next year because they're kind of, you know, tongue in cheek. Like, you know, they this is like his third year in a row of showing up on the show. Like, yeah, he'll come back next year. And if Colin Movie Film did come out in 2005, then that could have been true. But as we know, in 2005, we don't see MCP Pants. We don't see him again until 2007, so uh, quite a few years away. To kind of switch gears and jump to the visuals of MCP Pants, in the commentary when Dave is talking to C. Martin Croker, he's kind of under the impression that they reuse the same exact eyes between the different MCP Pants models. Clay reveals that no, that he didn't do that, that it it would have been way more difficult to actually try and just reuse the eyes. So he would just take eyes and color them the same way. And Dave seemed pretty disappointed. But for me as a viewer, it's not something that I would really notice. So it doesn't seem worth it to, to jump through all those hoops to keep reusing the same eyes just for the sake of it. So, okay, let's go to our last clip of this episode basically the camera pans down we are in hell as you would expect as every mcp pants episode ends with we are in hell but mcp pants he is just like the uh, little brittle head but with bat wings coming out the side because he's a vampire now and you'll hear how that plays out
3: hey sorry, check it out man i'm a bat man <laughs> that, that's cool right yeah,
1: yeah. i see that I have to assume Matt Malero doing the voice of Satan there as he typically does, except for when it is Jim Fortier, but Jim is not credited on this episode. Plus, it sounds like Matt Malero's playing of Satan, anyways. Yeah, that's a uh, little brittle or MCP pants getting blasted with a, f- a fireball from Satan—the same thing that always happens. And this is what he didn't want to happen. Pretty sad here. That uh, when a vampire is killed, I guess they still go to hell. It's, it serves MCP Pants right for not fully embracing Christianity. If, if he'd have done that, I think he would have been fine. So that is a Little Brittle, and there's actually some custom outro music here. We have Come Visit Me Dog. So I will put that on the end of this podcast episode. Stick around if you want to hear that. I mean, that is really like the longest uh, uh, unedited chunk of the song that we have. Because it wasn't released, which is a big bummer. I, I would love to listen to this one. I actually really like this song, and I know a lot of other people feel the same way. That for some people, it's their favorite M.C.P. pants song. I don't know that I have a favorite. I like all of them. Um, this this one wasn't really used throughout the episode outside of the beginning, which which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, unlike something like "I Want Candy," which was like you know kind of a repeating uh, motif throughout the episode, but. Still, anytime you get MC Chris on a track, I'm not mad about it. So before I give you my thoughts on this one, let's talk very quickly about what we can learn from this episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The thing that kind of struck me about this one was how quickly they were willing to help MCP Pants, even though historically he had been somewhat of a bad guy and that he had tried to basically kill them in his first appearance. So of course, initially Frylock was apprehensive and he was suspicious, but after they learned that it was just kind of a helpless old man here, they were willing to help him. I mean, Frylock was making him cupcakes, they were visiting him, Frylock was making sure that there was somebody there to visit MCP pants. So I think that this one can kind of teach us about forgiveness, especially in somebody's moment of need. You'll notice the stark contrast of the previous MCP Pants episodes where they were very quick to kill MCP Pants, uh, but here he even wanted them to kill him, but they wouldn't do it. So I think that's what we can take away here. Don't be so quick to hold a grudge all the time. It's like that old saying, uh, a grudge is like taking a laxative and expecting the other person To have diarrhea. So moving on, normally I would give you the thoughts that were had the night this episode came out from the Zone forum from 2004, but that website is still down. They are working on it. It will be back up, but there is no uh, suggested release date or anything of when it might be back. So this is the last time I will mention this until it is actually back. So we will get back to the discussion over on the Zone forum when the episode actually came out, but until then we can go more into Dave's thoughts about this episode. Basically, in the commentary, he says, uh, this is a part that I did not play for you, that that Matt and Dave, uh, they started off liking the episode a lot, but ended up not liking it that much. Dave actually thought that this was the weakest episode of the season, and he felt that they went to the MCP pants well one too many times. And for me... This is absolutely not my least favorite from the season. I mean, if you heard my Unremarkable Voyage episode, you know that's my least favorite. I only gave it a 1.5 out of 5. And while Little Brittle isn't perfect, it's not the best MCP Pants episode. I think that easily so goes to the first MCP Pants appearance. I did like that they were doing something new here. I like that they were tackling a serious subject, but in a satirical way, a way that didn't feel as heavy as it potentially could have. The idea here I think really was solid. Again, as to what Dave was saying when I was playing you some of his audio, yeah, it would have been great if they if they took Little Brittle home and then you you had Shake getting pissed off that they had to you know, accommodate him. That could have been a fun time, and I, I would have, I would have preferred that. I think to this episode, but the episode we got was not bad. I don't think. Uh, yes, the middle did drag. Yes, there was a lot of just long dialogue scenes, which we run into in Aqua Teen once in a while. Really, I think the the main perpetrator here is the middle section, which really would be their first time meeting Little Brittle. That whole scene goes on for a while. And maybe could have been spiced up a bit. But for what it was, like I was still laughing. I was still enjoying it. I do agree that the, you know with Dave in that the like the beginning and the end, I think are good. I like the beginning. It's fun seeing Fry like just shut down. Nope, we're not doing this again. Uh, this is MCP pants. And then the end, we get that payoff because in typical Aqua Teen fashion, we are led to believe that there is no ulterior motive that mcp pants here he just he just wants someone to come visit him but you find out that he released this cd only in transylvania he wanted to get bit by a vampire however it is a little bit of like an interesting twist in that he doesn't have like world domination plans it was just personal he just didn't want to have to go back to hell and get tortured by satan and you can't really blame him for that we do get that fun kind of, uh, you know, one after another of, of of Little Brittle and the vampire dying. And of course, the obvious throwback and little wink to us Aqua Teen fans of assisted living Dracula. I appreciated that. I, f- I felt it was a good way to wrap up the episode that late in the episode. We did get some shake. I like the way that they use shake here. It, it didn't feel unnecessary to have him in. Of course, no Carl, but they make up for that with the Aquadonk side piece with just Carl and MCP pants. The idea, to me, of Meatwad importing a CD from Transylvania is just the funniest thing, and it, again, it opens up so many questions. Overall, like ultimately, the important thing here is I found myself laughing at this one way more than I was expecting to. I think it's a great time. I love these, I guess you could just call it a service y episode, uh, but I love just the continuity here, which is something we don't normally get, really, and and the fact that the continuity was so heavy, between the previous MCP Pants episodes, literally showing us pictures from those episodes, is kind of cool, and that's something that Aqua Teen really does a lot. So, not the best MCP Pants episode, but I actually don't think the worst. I appreciate this one more than Super Sirloin, that it's just like a, on a completely different path, even if it's not as as music-heavy. It's still fun. I think I got to give this one four bowls of hard candy out of five. Same rating, actually, that I gave Super Sirloin. I feel like the pacing on Super Sirloin was probably better, but I like the idea more here. And, and both are just funny episodes and good times. And yeah, for me, I, I can overlook the issues with this one for the things that it gets right. Plus, you got MC Chris, MC pants. There's not a whole lot to complain about. So that is it for me this week. I can't believe we are done with MCP Pants content. Pretty sad, but who knows what the future brings. Aqua Teen, they're making five more episodes. Who knows what can happen? Maybe we'll have some more. So thanks for hanging out with me. Of course, thank you for talking teens with me. If you want to support the show, lots of ways to do so. Patreon is the best way. Link to that in the show notes. Thank you to everybody who has signed up there. It really, really helps out a lot. Otherwise. Just sharing the show really does help, Uh, telling another Aqua Teen fan about the show. You can also use some some, uh, affiliate links in the show notes if you want to buy Plantasm, for example. Uh, You can pick it up at no extra cost to you. A few bucks gets kicked back to the podcast when you do that. So all sorts of ways. I always appreciate it. In the meantime, thank you again, James, for signing on to the Patreon, and let me shout out our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, we've got Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, and Jason, I'll import your album from Transylvania any day of the week. I, I heard that Ian, he is, he's heading to Japan, he's picking up some very rare and very precious Aqua Teen Hentai for me, so I really look forward to that, he's, he's on a very important mission. Thank you, Ian. Enjoy your time there. Maybe you'll listen to this on the plane. I don't know. Until then, I'll see all you next week. Keep it cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye.
3: Doors. The residue of many who are about to die and from the tragic castles which I now reside Come before seven That's when they close the blinds Tell me down to my watch Which is no surprise I suck applesauce Do a bendy straw When I poop all the nurses come in applaud I used to slap at the vamp, Used to bog with broad Now my